Guys, let me tell you about the ammo we've been shooting this year. It's called Migra Ammunitions, and let me tell you, I've never shot a more consistent load in my life. It is constantly smacking honkers and ducks out of the sky. Dude, my God. You know what I love, honestly, the most about ammunition is when it works. And, <laughs> dude, that's always been my biggest gripe, right? Like, yep. it's just, dude, just shoot out of the gun. Just shoot the shell. I've not had a single dud this year. Me no, neither. It's, I love that aspect of it. I just want to be able to trust my ammunition. So, hey, if you want to learn more about stacked load ammunition that me and Joey have been shooting all year, go to migraammunitions.com. One, let me, one, let me tell you. Yeah. That 2-4 load for the 20 gauge. Yep. Smoking honkers, dude. Hey, it's hard. I don't even want to shoot my 12 gauge. No, there's a, we have a reel on our Instagram of Joey shooting 2-4 stack 20 gauge Migra. Let's go check it out, guys. Go check I can get used to this. Sorry, I moved too quick. Chasing at the blue, no counterfeit. Catch me on a wild like Donovan. I ain't no thug, but I move like Spider. Look before I light, not for another. You had a little flame, and you throw my lighter. Coming, coming back, now your shit won't light up. Whoa, whoa. What's it gonna take for? You to ride on my skateboard. Invest in me like I'm making. Across the table, we have. Hayden Norman Gross. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, dude. No, oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You were you were like lucky to show up when you did in Kansas last year. Like we had the weather. The weather just happened. I mean, I remember the last year on like December eighteenth, it was like like seventy something degrees. It was like it was, it was terrible. Well, it was seventy eight degrees when I got there. Yeah, it was terrible. And then out of nowhere, it was just like it was negative ten. Let's snow. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we shot him up. You know, like we beat the hell out Took of him. Took seven days to get to that point, yeah, though. Yeah, I know it. I know it. The first time we went and hunted there with Bobby, too. Like, it was like 60 degrees. Remember the one day? Yep. Then the next day, it was literally like eight degrees and a 30-mile-per-hour wind. Which is crazy, which is funny because, like, in that part of Kansas where he is, obviously they get snow and stuff like that, but we definitely get, like, the more harsh weather up in that hill country. Like, yeah. We sh- and we should. It was but, way harsher than Bob's. Oh, I'm oh, sure. Yeah. It was bad. Oof. Yeah. I was also sleeping in a trailer, so that didn't help, but. Nice. Yep. Hey, don't, you know what? That's let me tell you about that single wide right now. That <laughs> yeah. some bitch was warm. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, because there's what fifteen fucking dudes in it. Well, hold on now. <laughs> was it hot? It was hotter than fuck. <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. That was good. so fucking hot. Between the PS4s going and playing Call of Duty <laughs> to a bunch of dudes hanging out in there. That was the best time though. It's close quarters, but, like, you always have so much fun. Mm-hmm. What was the most fun you had in Kansas? And, like, it doesn't have to necessarily be hunting-related, but, like, tell us a funny story or, like, a good story from Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to throw them under the bus. So, it was uh, it was opening weekend about, I want to say it was 2018. And um, we were, I mean, this is, it's it's boys weekend before you know before clients are starting to show up so we all go up there we invited some guys out and i think there was uh i think so there was you tate and rufty oh me tate rufty uh charlie coon another kid jackson uh and like 20 other guys like five other guys and i think we were shooting like eight mans and like we were finding ponds this was it was actually sick so obviously it's october you're shooting brown ducks there's not like a bunch of full plumage mallards out there and shit yeah but we were finding ponds with like 40 birds on them and like it was just like holy shit there's nothing here and we would yeah. ask permission and they'd be like yeah give a shit go ahead and we'd go out on that pond and out of nowhere in the morning we're smacking a 50 stack and it was just like where the fuck do these birds come from like they were not even here yesterday there was 10 ducks on this pond and then and it's like 80 degrees next day same thing pond with like 30 ducks on it half of them teal and it was just like oh my god all right 
get Fuck permission it. on it. Go out there, smack 40 mallards. And it was like, what the hell's happening? And it's like yeah. 68 degrees. Next morning, we go out, we find a pond that was actually holding quite a few birds. And we look at the weather forecast and went from like 78 to blizzarding snow sideways, like October 17th or some shit like that, like early end of October. And we went out there, stacked up 55 mallards or something like that. Like it was just insane. And we did it in like 40 minutes. And then that same weekend, this is where I'm throwing John under the bus. He, uh, you know, this guy's a little bit drinking, pretty, yeah. pretty fucking hungover. And we're <laughs> like, you know, Tate, John and I go and park the trucks and we're walking back and it's like, you know, it's me, Tate, John's at the toe. He's just right behind us. Well, we get all the way out to the blind. We walked, you know, probably a quarter mile and we turn around. John's gone. Like Tate and I are like, well, fuck is John. And it was just like, you know, we're yelling like Hansel and Gretel. We're like yelling for John. <laughs> like just party. dude, no fucking response. And I was like, dude, we like we lost John. And Tate was like, dude, there's birds going. We got to go. So John gets left like wherever John was. Well, he comes up like 30 minutes into the shoot. We're like halfway done. He's like, oh, guys. I was like, there he is. There he is. He showed up like he got beat like his ass beat. Like he's just like, what the hell, man? <laughs> so like when we were walking off the road, he did a head first dive into a ditch and just like passed out. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No and woke way. up like face down in the grass like 30 minutes later and like walks out. And he's like, I, I hit the ground hard, man. Knocked me out. <laughs> oh like, we were just like, what the fuck happened? bro? <laughs> So that was one of them. Just was, literally took a dirt yeah, nap. Yeah, it was for like yeah, literally like just minutes. hit the dirt and took a nap. Like he was just like oh, I fell, and Tate and I were like, oh, that's what happened. <laughs> we were just like, yeah, of course that even, happened. We to didn't John. Even, we didn't even go back for you. <laughs> like there were there were <laughs> like, birds. To, yeah, absolutely. There were birds to shoot. It was like sixty. I wasn't worried about him freezing to death. Dude, and dumbass had a jacket on. He's good. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so fucking funny. But yeah, he was. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Be sure to leave us a review or a rating on Apple and Spotify and go to MidwestFlyways.com slash shop for all your latest Midwest Flyways merchandise. That was, so, that was crazy. We shot like 258 ducks like, and we should not have done that. Like we shouldn't have done it. We did it in like nutty. five days. It was insane. Yeah. Uh, so you heard me earlier kind of like talk about <clears throat> like my dream situation for hunting, right? Like when I like if I have a great waterfall hunting dream, you know, it's me and a buddy in a pond or like a little creek or a slough or something like that. And we're just shooting, you know, groups of twos and threes of mallards. And it's just, that's, <laughs> you smell like a fucking, I mean, dude, I literally told I can't you stop don't farting. do that anymore. I can't stop farting. Oh so fucked up. <laughs> you smell like an ox. My head is fucked. It's a good looking that ox. It's not dope, bro. It's a good looking ox, though. Dude, no. No. It's not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. One of them most guys. Bro. Like I've been walking around mama. for a while with a dangling. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt you with my butt. No, no, no you're good. Um, Continue. Your dream scenario. Yeah, yeah. Like, you and two guys you, on a pond. Yeah, you're having a good waterfall Absolutely. dream. Yep. What? What is it? Bam. What are you doing? As much as Tate's going to hate me for not saying that it was geese, honestly, it'd probably just be a badass timber shoot with my dad and my brother. Like how I grew up. Yeah. Like yeah. just that or like on the Potholes Reservoir back where I grew up, just like in Washington State, which is like, I could go hunt anywhere. Like I can hunt here and it's the most beautiful place in the world. But like I get to Eastern Washington, which is like, you know, like kind of the rolling hills and desert area, a lot of farmland. And like that's the prettiest place in the just world. Just feels like home. Oh, fuck. It's the best. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. 
Yeah, sitting on a bucket with my dad and my brother, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty cool, man. Yep. Yeah, mine's mine's a cattail slough with not too much mud. And, uh, you know, your hide is just what's around you. And birds just dumping in, giving it up on yeah. shallow water, Absolutely. Dude. Oh, my God. And it, it would be with my dad and yeah. my sister, Kristen, for 100, sure. 100%. Hey. Say you're from Minnesota without saying you're from Minnesota. Boat. No, <laughs> cattail pond without too much mud. Yeah, cattail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so unfortunate for us, though. Like, every pond you walk into, you're like, oh. Dude, you go down to Kansas, all these cattle ponds, they're just hard yeah. as a rock. Hard as right. A rock. Yeah, rock. Bottom. Hard as a rock. I'm the aware. only thing you're worried about is it gets to 15 feet after about 12 feet of water. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, you like you start walking, you just yeah. go down. In Minnesota, you walk six feet feet past the cattails, and you can't get out. No, yeah, you're just, dude. You're literally <laughs> you literally stuck. can't get yeah, out. You're in like eight feet of mud. Can't get out that mud. Yeah, it's goose shit bottom, dude. Oh, it's oh, it's only a foot deep, and then all of a sudden you're over your hips. Yeah, you're four feet in the water. <laughs> that ain't funny. But but the, it's only a foot of water. The yeah. amount of times that I've what? not only had to pull just my wife out. And I've accidentally pulled her out of her waders, but other people that are hunting for their first or second oh, yeah. time, I'm teaching them how to walk through yeah. the mud. Yeah, teach yeah. in Minnesota. It's like the safety talk for yeah, guys. Guys, so when you walk number out there. one thing when you walk out there is about three feet of mud, buddy. Love it. Bend the fucking knee, okay? It's <laughs> the trick. Don't move your other foot until your other foot is dislodged. Wiggle yeah. sideways. Get it done. Don't wiggle sideways. Yeah. <laughs> Bend the knee. Front and back. Front and back. Fucking hell. The harder you force yourself out of the mud, the deeper you're going to get. Yeah, North and ridiculous. south, brother. No do east not, and west. Do not freak out. This is the Labria tar pits. Yeah, literally. Do not move once Dude, you get stuck. Just throw me a fucking rope and pull me out. <laughs> Dude, one of the scariest days of my life, there's this pond behind this. Or it's actually a lake. It does not feel like a lake. And uh, same thing, goose shit bottom. We made pallet docks going out to the deal because it's like a mile of cattails. And uh, walking out there with my dad. And I was like, Dad, I'm smashing ducks in the backyard. He's like, okay, I'll come watch you. So I come out there and I throw the decoys right next to the pallet dock. And he's like, what are you doing? You can't sit on the dock. You got to go 10 feet over there into the cattails, and you got to throw out the decoys further than that. I was like, well, I'm not going to take the canoe out. It's too heavy. I'm just going to fucking put them right there. And he's like, okay. He's like, well, you got to get your decoys still. After he made me go and throw them further, I'm like, nice, Dad. So I, like, jump off the dock, and I just completely go over my head. Over my head in water, and my dad had to pull me out by my freaking hair. The best is you can see the bottom from the dock. No, yeah, you can you can see the bottom. It's from about the this dock. deep, and then you jump off, deep. and you're, just, you're gone. And like the vacuum seal of the waiters, I was just like, what is that noise? What is that? Sounds like a Land Before Time dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, me gargling goose shit. Sound like the lizard that killed that fat guy in Jurassic Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, though. Yeah. He Get away. He's trying to scare him with shaving cream. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> guy had, like, the Barbasol can with, like, the fucking mechanism in it. He fucked with the dinosaurs. Dude, he got what was you. coming for him. Dude, that lizard whipped his ass. That was the scariest part of, Veloc- <laughs> or of uh, Jurassic Park for me. Barbasol. <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna save his life. Yeah, with it. that was so fucking <laughs> funny. So Grant's literally dying. <laughs> the the waterfaller's passion 
is second to none. Like the people that I met along the way, the people that helped me out, like this would not have been possible if I didn't have really about 40 people in different locations helping me along the way. Like, and it was cool. Like the guys in, in Oklahoma for the cranes, they found out what I was doing and said, you need to come with us. We want to be part of this. We will make sure that you get what you need to hear because your journey and your story is too cool for us not to help out with. That was Mark Peterson from Mark V. Peterson Hunting on YouTube. This is a sweet episode today, guys. It's just a little snippet of what it is. But Mark started off in the outdoor industry uh, doing a TV show. He also owned a small boutique booking business uh, called Worldwide Trophy Adventures. And back during the Cabela's Bass Pro merger, they actually put their outfitting business up for sale. And so Mark won the bid for that. Uh, which took the his business WTA from being a small boutique to uh, the biggest actually in the world. So it would have been in nine, no, in, in eighteen. I was sitting there and I actually rolled over in bed and I've got my one of my Brittany's arrow sleeps next to me, still does to this day. Sleeps yeah. in a bed right next to my bed and I rolled over and I had just um, read a book called The Upland Odyssey. And it was about. Uh, individual him and he had two dogs through their lifetime that he took to all these locations and he got what he considered the North America bird slam at the time and it was 20 different species of upland game birds and I had read that book and something about it was just like different like the whole idea of it and the way that he told the the journey through him and really his dogs it just it connected with me and I'm sitting there laying in bed and I roll over and I look at my dog arrow and I'm like you know what we're gonna do that Except I'm going to do it in a single season and we're going to film the whole thing because it's never been done before. Yeah. So I go, I go to my team and I go to my partners at the time and they're like, well, first of all, I don't think it can be done in a year because think about all the locations. And I had 27 upland species. So <laughs> like I, we'll, we'll talk about 43 in the waterfall. Like I include some things that are on the fringe, but I want somebody to sit there and be like, he didn't cut any corners on it. He actually went above and beyond what, what everybody considers all the waterfall species. Yeah. I did the same thing when I did Upland. And they're like, well, we don't think you can do it. Because I included a Himalaya snowcock on there in Nevada, which has, like, super tough odds of being successful on. And that was the only trip that I didn't have my dog on just because of, of danger for the dog. Yeah, yeah. But so that, that was my first slam ideas. I said, I'm going to go do this. And in the fall of 19, it started in Nevada for Himalayan snowcock, and it ended in um, Sonora with Muy Grande Outfitters for an elegant quail. That was number 27. And I finished in February, started in um, September, finished in February. So I did the Upland Slam in a single season. And I, what I noticed, because the same thing with the Waterfall Slam, if you watch all the videos, especially on linear and everything, is I try to tell the story through a conservation lens. The location, the people, what it means to the, the specific areas, and then also from the species. Now, in the upland one, it was a lot easier because you would go to a specific area, and the species of upland bird would be there. In waterfall, you go to an area, and the birds are coming through at various times. Now, it always seemed like in the waterfall one, I was always three days behind when the birds were there, but I think most <laughs> waterfallers can relate to that yeah, one. Yeah, that's always, life, man. That's that. just life. Yeah, we just had a storm, pushed all the birds through. We haven't got the new birds. Like, that, that, like I oh, heard yeah. that line over the last year probably 30 times. That's just so, life, man. Yep. So on the on the upland one that started this whole thing, it would it's telling the conservation story. And what I noticed is just the attention and everything that that slam got because it was so different. If you think about upland hunting, 
the demographic of upland hunters is so small compared to waterfall or deer or turkey hunters. So just, just the attention that got. So after that one was complete, I was like, man, that was different. And truthfully, I had fun doing it right, because yeah. now it wasn't just going and filming locations. Like, okay, I would go and film a location, but there was, there was a purpose and it was planning and everything. So I found with myself, it challenged me more to tell the story and tell everything. So I, I came back and instantly went, you know what? I'm going to do the upland or the waterfall slam. Nice. But what I didn't see coming was COVID. I mean, yeah. that kind of messed up <laughs> a lot of people. So yeah. I, I had been working on that. And then all of a sudden in March, kind of shut the world down. The problem that I had, though, to be honest, is I had already set up most of my fall schedule around filming for the waterfall slam. Now, I had originally set to go to Saskatchewan and Alberta in early to try to get a lot of species just because they're there. But with COVID, I couldn't get across the border to go to Canada. But in July, it was late July, I finally decided, you know what, I'm still going to go for it. I'm not going to go to Canada. At that time, St. Paul wasn't open, but there was talk that it was going to open up. Right. Now I'm like, I'm going to roll the dice and say St. Paul's going to open up. I'm going to be able faith, to get there yeah. Everything else is going to be, it's going to be a lot more challenging because I couldn't go to Saskatchewan early season to where all the geese are congregated, where the cranes, like I, you could just go there over a three-week period and you could get a really good start on, on the 43. And I yeah. couldn't go and do that. So we adjusted the schedule a little bit and started in, in cold bay. But that challenge of COVID definitely hopped in there, but it was because I had most of my trips scheduled and I'm one that, that likes a challenge. And I'm like, you know what? Things are going to work out. And we hit a lot of bumps along the way. Don't get me wrong on that. Right. But it ultimately worked out. The, the one bummer was is that St. Paul didn't open. So it wasn't even until after I got number 42, the fall that's down in Sinaloa, I still didn't know if I was going to be able to get into Greenland. Right, right. Because we yeah. we we were... your goal, for everyone just listening, your goal was to shoot 43 species of waterfowl inside of a four-month time frame in, obviously, in... the same waterfowl yep. consecutive season. And... Yep. You were doing that all in North America. Correct. All Correct. in North America. So what I, okay. what I consider is the North America waterfall slam. I call it 40, 43. Like, there's, like, I don't think you'll get 10 guys to all agree on what the waterfall. I know, right? Because you be. hear 41, you hear 43. Yeah. 41, 43. Like, and then you get like, do you count the Mexican mallard? Do you not count? Like, I, I just went and you're like, you know what? I'm going to. I'm going to count it all. I'm going to throw it all in there. And then, you know, I'm going to have some people say, why are you counting a coot? And I'm going to be like, let's be honest. Talk to a waterfall hunter and ask him if they've ever shot a coot. So <laughs> right, right, right. He's a liar, so never listen to anything he ever says again. So yeah. I'm like, that's what, that's what a waterfaller like. Okay, so we've all shot a coot before. Let's add it to the list. Yeah, that's like, hey, how bad was your day? We shot a coot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like, hey, yeah, yeah, you're a waterfall hunter. That's that happens to you. Weren't exactly. you saying? Weren't you saying that a guy came? You met a guy in Minnesota. Dude, yeah, I was going to tell you, this is pretty funny. Um, me and Joey, the other guy who is, you know, usually with us, sure. Joey and I were hunting just like a local lake by the house one day, and this guy yeah. pulled up, and he just had like this like rinky canoe with a little trolling motor on it, and he dropped it off by himself, and um, we were like, you hunting by yourself today? And he's like, yeah, yep, and... Uh, we were like, I don't know, you can join us or something if you want. And this guy was like, no, I'm, I'm here for a specific reason. And we were like, what, what are you doing? He's like, I'm here to shoot a coot. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm here just to shoot the most perfect coot. Because he's like that, you know, that's part of the 43 species of waterfall that I'm trying to shoot. 
And, uh, and apparently the me and Joe were like, were oh, my God. He's like, yeah, this lake's notoriously good for coot. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a bummer. I'm like, yeah, we didn't know. And so this guy goes out there, though, and we, you know, like we saw him shoot one time, go pick up the fattest coot ever and just roll out. Like, he was done. He was there for that coot. That was it. That was his Yeah, day. man. Done. The Midwest Flyways podcast is brought to you by Soundgear. Guys, let me tell you about Soundgear. It is a hearing protection company, and it is the bee's knees, honestly. You spend 1400 bucks on the Phantoms to save your hearing forever. I can't tell you how revolutionary it is to have good hearing protection that actually fits to the mold of your ear, enhances other noises, and then also protects your hearing. Dude, Bluetooth enabled on top of that, so it connects to your phone and... The other thing I love most about it is because they're rechargeable now. You know that the black case, <clears throat> the black case that you get with it, it's a device that charges them even when it's not plugged in. Yeah. So like you plug it in and it charges the case and your sound gear, just like AirPods. Mm -hmm. So then when you go somewhere on a trip or whatever, you're out in the field and you've hunted for eight hours and just you need to charge case. up, just put them in the case. That's seriously like life changing for me. Yep. Not having to swap the batteries. And so, my most asked question about Soundgear too is, how does it sound like when you're calling? And my answer every single time is, if you're an experienced caller, you already know what your calling sounds like. The first time you go out and call, it's going to sound a little weird to you. But after that, your muscle memory kicks in. You don't even have to worry about it. Yeah, well, and you kind of learn. Like you can easily just like take one out and hear how you sound and be like, okay. So like I know what it sounds like in this year. Like that sounds fine then. You just like you said, you just get adjusted to it, right? No, it didn't you know? sound. If anything, it just sounded a little bit muffled. But even then, the only reason why it sounds muffled is because it's a higher decibel. So the sound gears are actually saving yeah. your ear. Yeah, <laughs> like your ear exactly. All right, so go to soundgear.com today to get a pair of custom fit Phantoms. And here today we have our very special guest, a third time on the podcast, Joe yeah. Heinz. Please say hello. What's up? Joe Hines, I think you're tenured on the podcast now. Thank you for having me back. Heck yeah, yeah dude. dude. Dude, anytime. But anyway, Joe. But yeah, dudes. How how was your season this past year, man? It was dynamite. Well, I, okay, I'm not going to say it was. Well, it depends on how you look at it. A dynamite year to me was the uh, limits 2019-2020 season. Okay. Where we killed like 1,400 honkers and uh, hundreds and hundreds of ducks and not an unbelievable amount of leg bands. Yeah. And it, it felt like every, like we killed the net collar in Fergus. We killed 30 double bands in Fergus. Yeah. Shit tons of just regular bands. And then we, when I went to New Jersey, we killed that double banded Brant with the geo tracker on it. Jesus. Yeah, that's wild. So it's just after a while, you know, it's like. Dude, what's going on here? You know, like this is the band magnet. Crazy. Dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally convinced that you have 18 four leaf clovers and 15 <laughs> horseshoes up your ass. I don't know how you take a shit every day, dude, but he's got it. so many rabbits' foots. I do it. Yeah. Just I go to gas station, grab as many as I can, yeah. stuff them. <laughs> it's just in the back of his truck. <laughs> yeah. The back of his truck is just filled with rabbit's feet. Right. Bigfoots and rabbit's feet. Yeah. Right. I think a few dissolved. Hand me another handful of that box. <laughs> 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 my luck's running out here. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Where'd you go in Florida? Uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And then a week after, or four days after that, that's when me and Turkey Man went down there and shot iguanas. That's right. Dude, yeah. and here's the thing, man. It's like, what am I going to do in the off season? You know, like, you have to produce some sort of content, right? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, how are you going to have fun? Yeah, exactly. And all that shit. And then Joe goes down to Fort Lauderdale 
on a freaking boat through like canals right. and yeah, mangroves and just and like and shit, dude. on iguanas. Like, what the fuck, dude? Did you film that? Oh, yeah. We yeah, okay. It. It's going to be out. I don't know when this will be out, but next Tuesday is when it should be out. Next week. Yeah, next week. It'll yeah. be out when this podcast, this podcast come out next Thursday. Okay, yeah. So dude, then, so what came into your mind where you're like, I want to shoot fucking iguanas? So <laughs> every time I'm in real. Isla Mujeres, I see these fucking iguanas everywhere, right? And my God, those things would be so sweet to shoot. In one year, <coughs> ooh, wow, easy, easy now. It's all these beers. But anyways, <laughs> so one year we, uh, I was walking up to my hotel room, and there's like this five foot iguana, like thick pig, dude, like in Isla, in Isla, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm walking up there, and I'm drunk, and I'm looking at it, and it's looking at me, and it's like kind of dark out, and I'm like, I'm gonna grab this motherfucker. <laughs> oh no, because <laughs> I've never held one, you know, I've never even touched one. Because yeah. why would you? Right, right, yeah. They look yeah. jagged and sharp and dangerous, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna grab it. <laughs> so I go walking up to it, and I like, I get probably two feet away from it. I'm about to pounce on it. That thing whips its tail back and looks at me like. You think you're the first fucking tourist that's trying to grab me, dude? I will fucking bite you so hard. And I just got that vibe from him. So I was like, all right. All right, compadre. Yeah. See ya. I think I poured beer on him and left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This, and this was like five years ago, dude. So anyways, I was uh, I was like, God, I heard you can shoot him. I think I seen a little video on, on YouTube that you could shoot him. But I thought they were just like in your backyard. Like if you live down wherever they oh, are, sure. you can right. shoot them because they're a nuisance, but you can't. It wasn't like a hunting season. Exactly. So then I just Googled it. And JP Outfitters from uh, Fort Lauderdale there um, popped up. And I messaged him on Instagram and started talking with him. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, come down, blah, blah, blah. He's a real busy guy. He loves to talk. You know, he's a funny dude. And then like uh, two days later, he called me and he was like, hey. I had some guys down here from uh, some outdoor channel that were speaking really highly of you. He's like, are you guys really thinking about coming down? I was like, yeah. I mean, I was waiting for you to call me back, and then I'd go from there. So he's like, all right. So he gave me a really good deal, and that same night I booked tickets for me and Turkey and yeah. to go out there. And, and dude, it was, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. She's a mutt, so I don't know what she is. She's like, yeah, I think yeah, she's yeah. a German Shepherd, black lab. Black lab I mean, she's she's there. got a mean side in her, and yeah, you've yeah. seen her. Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude, she gets wild. <laughs> that time, I know what you're gonna say too. Just just go in dude, there. Tell the podcast. Dude, tell the oh podcast. Oh my god. So I was I I don't know what I was. Where were we? <laughs> were we in Rochester or were no? We? It wasn't Rochester. We we're over by Trevor. So oh, we were guiding. Yeah, we were guiding, but anyway, we were someplace goose hunting, and. um Joey had Riley in his truck, his dog, and I'm walking back there, and I can't remember what I was going to get, and all of a sudden my phone rings like, hey, let my dog out of the truck and let her run around. I'm like, all right, for sure. Dude, I got two feet away from that window, and I thought that dog was going to break <laughs> through the window, biting at me and shit and growling and stuff, and I'm like, hey, Joey, I'm not letting your dog out of the truck, dude. <laughs> no, she'll be fine. I'm looking at her, and she's like, oh, like a freaking zombie trying to get out. Dude. All right. All right, so we are li- we are live and recording. So we have with okay. us Uncle Spaulding, Unc, Uncle Spaulding, and hey, I've been hearing stories out of this motherfucker all weekend. I used to do a lot of quail hunting. I grew up. I had like a kennel with seventy five dogs in it, man. Registered bird dogs. I really? had some pine cone max stock, blood stock. You got to understand, Swain, Waynesboro, Georgia, not far from me, is the bird dog capital of the world. Really? Yeah. Okay. So I had a lot of dogs. I had, 
English setters, German short hairs, Irish setters, uh, English spaniels, liver pied pointers, lemon pointers. I had Brittany spaniels. <laughs> you you had it all, man. And I had yeah, man. And I had some oh, I had a, I had some fabulous uh, golden retrievers. I had like seventy five dogs, and I did what's, all my vet work too. What's the best dog you ever had? A Brittany spaniel, and they didn't cut her tail off. And this dog was so good, I would be at dove shoots, man, and I'd have. Tons of doves shot down out there. It's just me and her on the hill, you know. Somebody had spread out a bunch of corn. I don't know. I think they had plowed it up. <laughs> Something like that out there, you know. And I had shot so many doves down that this dog couldn't pick them all up. And what she would do, she would just pick them up and put them in a pile and then pick them up over here and put them in a pile there and pick sure. them up and put them in a pile over there. And then after it low came, she would just go get them pile at a time. This dog was so good. I remember, you know, I used to, at the time I was married, and I do remember my wife, you and that dog, you and that dog, you and that dog, you and that dog. What was that dog's name? Her name was Annie. Annie. I'll never forget it. That's my wife's name. Oh, wow. That's a nice name. But let me tell you, this dog was so fabulous. I came home one night, and I had, had a few, you know, I was wearing my beer goggles, of course. And that, that's those times I was wearing beer goggles. I don't wear beer goggles anymore. And she said, if you come, you hunt one more time with you and that dog, I'm going to force you. And I looked at her and I said, look, let me tell you something. <laughs> that dog is so good. Let me, if that dog could cook a biscuit, I would have been divorced. You. I can do you. You said that to her face. Yes, I did. You can. Hey, I'm guessing it didn't work out. It didn't work out good, for, you know, for her. But it worked out. It came out real good for me and the dog. It worked out good for you. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Me and the dog. Hey, talk about the South Georgia juju. Oh, what man. you did in the field yesterday. Okay, now see, you thought it was juju. You see, I'm going to tell That's you. That's what you called I it. I know it. That's what I wanted you to hear. I put those rocks out behind my blind. You got to understand this mud and this dirt up here in North Dakota. I ain't never seen anybody plow a field with so many rocks in it from a turn, you know, with a tractor. I want to go see the turn plow because I know it doesn't have any tips on it. All these rocks, I mean, piles of rocks. I saw one of them, you know, don't get me wrong, John Deere green is my favorite color. And I saw one of those tractors gun. It looked like, a, you know, it had tracks on it, like a bulldozer. And I'm sitting there going, like, no wonder all these rocks out there got to have a bulldozer to pull the plow. <laughs> you no, but why, why'd but you put the rocks? Let me tell you what I put the rocks out yeah. for. I put the rocks out at the head of my blind so that I could, with those waders, could dump my feet off and scrape the dirt off my feet before I stepped into my blind. Hmm. I had a mat. It's pretty All smart. Right. Oh, well, you know, that didn't get this until, PhD for nothing. Until <laughs> we moved the blinds 15 yards back. I know, and then I had to go through the front <laughs> and over there and wipe my feet off and then try to, you know, patch my way back stepping on mm. corn stalks without... How'd that work? It didn't work too well. <laughs> In these fields up here in yeah, North Dakota. North Dakota mud, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it man. It follows you everywhere. And that black mud, I've never seen it with so many rocks. How do you grow anything? <laughs> Dude, it just grows up right around all the rocks. I'm serious, man. I've never seen more corn <laughs> in my entire life. Man, it's, it's it's crazy. There's a lot of rocks in that corn, isn't there? It is. It's wild, man. I know. I go Even I go out and I'm like, man, I would hate to be farming these fields. 
All right, I got a good question for you. Okay, sure. All right, so Easy told me to ask you about 40 mules on a swinging bridge. Oh, man. Tell me, tell me oh, this story. Okay, hey, start okay. from the beginning. I okay. want to hear the whole thing. We were out in Montana hunting in the Bob Marshall wilderness. He said area. you went over a cliff with okay. 50 Let me tell you now. You know on those swinging... <laughs> listen, listen, listen. The swinging right. bridges, right? All right, hey, start the from cable. the beginning. I want to okay, hear this. Okay, listen. I'm All talking right. from the beginning. You know, All right. the Bob Marshall, we were going in to hunt. It takes like... We were on the horseback. It's an eight-hour horseback trip up the mountain before you get off. So I had like 15 mules behind me, pulling behind me. And we were going on across one of these swinging bridges, you know, the cable swinging bridges. Yeah. And I've got 15 mules behind me. And midway across the bridge, the seven-and-a-half mules decided to sit down on the bridge and do and 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 did what a jackass does best. Honk, <laughs> And the bridge starts swinging because the other jackasses are also upset. And this guy says, well, what are we going to do? And I just looked over the bridge. I said, well, I guess it's a good day to die. <laughs> Until you untie them jackasses and get that middle one up off his ass, we go get our ass off of this bridge. <laughs> so, so is that what you did? Yes. <laughs> Untie the jackasses ass <laughs> and move on along the bridge. Get our ass off the bridge, or it's gonna be a good day to die. The bridge is swinging. We're five thousand feet above this canyon ground. Okay, a long way down for all these asses to fall. Safe. Dude, you were st- you were staring at death, man. Hey, you knew. Looking right at it. Yeah. Looking right at it. Hey. That- that's a wild story. That's the truth, man. <laughs> I it's love like, that. That is something else. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Midwest Flyways podcast. Be sure to leave us a review or a rating on Apple and Spotify. And go to MidwestFlyways.com slash shop for all your latest Midwest Flyways merchandise. That's it. <laughs> 100%. Uh, well, hey, on the podcast today, everybody, does he need an introduction? But Scott Trinan from Mulk here. Uh, this is also Joey Vasallo. And Cal Ness, your regular co-hosts. Wonderful. Thanks host for having host. me. Yeah. All right. Hey, I have a question. You're wearing this slow roll t-shirt. Yeah. I need to I need to hear the story about like the slow roll and how you came up for the na- with the name for that. Cause let me explain what it is. Well, I'm from Rochester. Yeah. A lot of big geese. Yep. Where they rediscovered them. And we had a bathtub, Silver Lake, heated lake, power plant. They burned coal there, discharged the water, seven degrees warmer. So we had a ton of big, giant geese. And it didn't matter how cold it got. You know, it would get to negative 25, negative 30, and the lake would just steam. They were never leaving. You know, we wintered 30, 35,000 giants till the end of the year and all through the winter. Well, when it got really, really cold and... You know, it was just that dead still cold where it was just late, cold, late cold, cold. And, uh, you know, the air would basically crystallize when you exhaled it from your lungs, you know, type of deal. There was a guy down there that I guided with for a long time. He was one of the one of the first outfitters in town. His name was Steve Smith. We called him Schmitty. And he would live in a bus on the bottom of the hill. Um, so good. He would live in a bus on the bottom of the hill. And this was the original, like, I mean, this is an 18, 
like number 18, the bus was, yellow school bus, <laughs> yellow school bus. Didn't even, didn't bother painting it. Well, in the summers, he would guide, uh, run launches out of the Blue Goose up on Mille Lacs. And he would come down and guide. Now, he, he had his own outfitter for probably 20, 25 years in Rochester. Guiding geese. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was good. And, you know, him and his partner split ways. Well, then he came and guided for Dean. Yeah. Premier flight. Yeah. And that's who I guided with forever. So we would always hunt together. We would hunt Hamburger Hill, the historic Hamburg, Hamburger Hill down in Rochester, which was on the north side of town. And, you know, Schmitty, he lived in the bus. It was really, really nice inside, actually. You know, I remember going up there every morning, having a coffee with him. He had his whole decked out thing in there and whatnot. And we'd go up there and get the clients in and into the bus. It, no, into the pits. <laughs> okay. Into the pits. Right. No. Like, the bus. like right. as far as I know, I think maybe Kevin, Stever, which was his buddy, and me were like the only ones that ever actually went in the bus. Everybody's okay. kind of scared of the bus. But the bus sat at the bottom of the hill, which was like 250 yards away. And <laughs> in the morning, you know, it's cold. You'd get the clients in there. They'd get their crank and their heaters. And he was he smoked a lot of cigarettes. He died of lung cancer. He would smoke three packs of Pall Malls a day. Oh, my God. And he needed one match every morning. One match would do him for the rest of the day because he just lit the next one off the last right one. The oh, one. yeah. And he would, he would take the Pall Mall and he'd kind of grind on it and he'd you know, do this little deal and he would pull the filter out. Oh, yeah. So he'd smoke it with no filter. Oh, yeah. Well, he'd be sitting there and he'd just grind his teeth and he was just grizzled. He looked like an... He looked like dad's old work boots you know he was in the sun or the wind every single day of his life this guy was the old work boots yes he was he was just alligator skin tough rode hard put away wet yeah i don't think he was ever put away wet he just rode hard (laughs) just rode hard and uh just tough as nails you know i i hunted with the guy in just some brutal conditions back when we used to have real winters and i never seen him wear gloves and he never turned a heater on in his pit because so, he didn't want to get accustomed to it. Old steel hands. Yeah. And he'd have duct tape on his hands. Oh. I mean, they were all what? duct tape because they were cracked. His skin would crack. It was like so Ew. dry from being, yeah. I mean, just a, um, but a great guy, great goose hunter, old school, blue, uh, blue guide's best, made one note on it. And it was just this ball. It was just this ball, just a ball, ball. And geese just absolutely loved it. It was the weirdest, most unique, original sound I think I've ever heard a goose caller make. And the geese just loved it. And sometimes when he got excited, be like, bah, 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 bah. and it was loud. Mm. And anyways, he would sit up there in the pit, going back to the where the slow roll came. And you know, one day he was sitting up there and he's just grinding on that palm mall. And I looked at him. <laughs> I go, "What do you think, Schmidt?" He goes, "I like it. Mm. it it's going to be a slow roll." And that's just where the geese come out slow. Everything moves slow. It's so cold. You know, they're not in a hurry. You're not in a hurry. And he just, uh, from that point on, that was like one of the first times I guided with him. And from that point on, whenever I showed up, I go, Schmidt, is he going to be a slow roll? And he goes, I think it's going to be a slow roll. And we would just, we'd tear into him those days. Oh, I mean, it was so cold. cool. So man. it's always, you know, we call it a slow roll and home of the slow roll and, that's yeah. It came from Steve Schmitty Smith, who passed away in two thousand, uh, two thousand twelve from lung cancer. How old was he? I think at the time he was fifty eight. 
Oh, damn. Looked like he was going on about 136. <laughs> I mean, he he was he was rugged, but he was a road hard. Yes, he was. He was. He was a gr- love black and white shadows. Just had a real knack for just putting birds on the ground. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just didn't do it. He smoked a cigarette when he was calling. Oh, yeah. Smoked a cigarette <laughs> yeah, yeah. when he's called. Was it in like the side of his mouth? In the or? side of his mouth, ran that flute like this, would go back and forth and smoke a cigarette at the same time. Whenever he paused, you'd see him inhale the cigarette and the smoke would come out the end of the goose call. That's <laughs> so amazing. Yeah, he was just, I mean, just an original. How can you, yeah, so wore Carhartts, um, you know, just, just one of those old school OG goose guys that yeah. was cool to be around. But he was a really really good goose hunter that you just you know none of his skills like on a call or he didn't own any de- i mean it was just he was just a good goose hunter yeah, you know he, just, he didn't own any decoys well after the guide service no no okay. probably not no sold i think he sold the them to dean yeah he used to run folding feathers back in the day which hmm. was uh which is a very very uh very good guide service in rochester in the you know the 80s and 90s yeah so Having hunted in like so many different places, can you tell us a crazy hunting story? And when we say that, we're looking for like the weird and the, you know, like the kind of unorthodox. I want an owl. I want an owl story. Yeah. I want like an encounter, like something crazy that you saw or, you know, anything weird. People getting guns pointed at them, anything like that. I mean, I know that you've crushed a lot of geese. So like I've, I've told several stories of me shitting myself or. Well, I mean, the craziest things happened down when, when Tim was around, down at his place. I mean, he's just a wild man. Yeah. He's a wild man. I remember down there, and this is this is after, yeah, I got a couple of them, and they all happened to be at Tim's place. Let's go. And I remember at the Avery International, so he won the previous year, so he was done call. You know, it's kind of, he retired. You know, that was the last hurrah. And... uh I remember the next morning, so they had a banquet at night and then a supper, and these guys would come in from all over the country and donate. The money would go towards conservation, but what these hunters would get to do is hunt with one of our one of the callers at a club down there in Rochester. Well, these clubs are, for, you know, 40, 100-acre fields. Well, they have five different pits in a 40-acre field. Everybody's yeah, yeah, yeah. 200 yards oh, away. Yeah, and yes. so, you know, there was... Like me, Kelly, uh, you know, Alti, um, we're hunting at Tim's place, and these hunters were there. Well, we were all sitting there, and everybody was there. We were supposed to meet at like 5.30 in the morning. It was like 6 o'clock, and Tim wasn't there. So we are kind of all just sitting <laughs> in the parking lot, couldn't get into the lodge, or didn't really know what to do. Tim wasn't there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we hear this big diesel coming down grassy road and i mean he's flying he's flying and he pulls into his parking lot he just slams on the brakes coming like 50 miles an hour he gets out he walks around the back of his truck he had a pair of were they the muck? They were the short muck boots because muck boots had just kind of started getting a little popular or whatever. Yeah. He had a pair of muck boots on. He had a Nat Gear pullover and a pair of underwear on. Underwear? Yeah. Underwear. Underwear. <laughs> Six o'clock in the morning. He gets out smoking a cigarette, hairs everywhere. He goes, listen, I've had four <laughs> pots of coffee 
three Xanax and shit my pants twice. Here's what we're going to do. And I'll never forget that. I just died laughing, died laughing. And, uh, you know, the next year after we got to know Tim, we went down there for, we went down there for, uh, one of our buddies' weddings that got he was from Southern Illinois. A lot of some Southern Illinois guys would come up to Rochester and guide. Yeah, and uh, we went down there for his wedding, and we went down there a couple of days in advance, and we were going to hunt at Tim's place, and it was me, Dean Tlugan, Al Penheider, and Kyle Holbrook, and we went to the Copper Dragon that's in uh, Carbondale. It's around their college there, Southern sure. Illinois University, and uh, I mean, we just got tore up it was after our goose season is like early january yeah i mean it's like a three-story college bar we're a little older al you know i mean dean we're all just partying just really really tying one tearing up the town tearing up you know goose season's over for us (laughs) so we go out to tim's the next morning and i mean we're we're hung oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. and down there they have steel pits they have steel pits. Oh, that's a lot of reverberation. Oh. That's not good. So dude. anyways, <laughs> Tim's setting up the field, you know, and this is after Southern Illinois was Southern Illinois. Yeah. So we get in the pit. <laughs> I didn't even get my gun out of my case. They have a big couch in there. <laughs> Dean didn't. Kyle Holbrook just sets his gun, puts a shell in it. Al's, I mean... We are just <laughs> passed out on this couch in this steel pit. Yeah. And blah, blah, blah. Every once in a while, you know, they have walkie-talkies down there. You know, radios. They control the whole field. You know, you shoot, you shoot, you do this, you do that. Blah, blah, blah. Well, guys were like, hey, a couple a couple ruddy ducks coming over pit one you know, or whatever. You know, it was. <laughs> and uh, whatever. And all of a sudden, four geese coming out of the slough. Four geese coming out of the slough. And the intensity of the thing, and we're just, oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> just geese, trying you know, to live. We just got done shooting 2,000 geese. You know, yeah. we don't need to, whatever. And these four geese are flying around, flying around. And uh, we were in we were in a pit called the G-Spot that oh, day. Okay. He, ha- he okay. had the black hole, the Cadillac, the hill, and the G-Spot. Dope. Yes, that's what the pit's name. So we were in the G-spot. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you hear him coming over the G-spot low. We need to cut him now. Cut him, G-spot. Cut him. Cut him. And he's just yelling on the microphone, and we're just (laughs) passed out. And I'll never forget Dean going, what fucking pit are we in? (laughs) And Kyle, Kyle Holbrook goes, I think we're in the G-spot. And he leaned forward and didn't get his muzzle out of the pit. It was pointed in a safe direction, but just goes, boom, (laughs) while the steel pits. And I mean, I'm like, oh, I just, I fall backwards. I look over at Dean. (laughs) Dean's doing a head shake. He's like, no, no, that didn't happen. I look over at Al. Al is against the wall doing this, turns over and just starts dry heaving and throwing up. And we're in this pit. Obviously, we didn't shoot a goose. We just scared him. And then you hear, what the fuck is going on in the G-spot? What the hell? And I mean, we're just so... 
I mean, we were Just we were in surviving. rough shape. We Dude. shouldn't have our guns. Oh, so, you know, as far as as far as you know, hunting stories and uh, something out. Those are two the down at Tim's that I'll that I'll you know Never obviously forget. remember. You know, and you know, little things in Rochester here and there. But it was always a hoot to go down there because those guys were uh, those guys were pretty funny. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. The Midwest Flyways podcast is brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Onyx Hunt is the best way to find your next field permission, the best way to find that next water source that you want to hunt. Uh, They have everything that you could possibly pretty much have or want in an app to find where the ducks or the geese are going to be. They've literally added so many different features now. Uh, You can see the topography of what was planted there the year before. You can put in the wind direction depending on how you want to hunt a certain spot. I mean, it's literally the best tool for you to be successful in the field. So go to Onyx Hunt today to learn more. All right. Welcome back. Bienvenidos a la Midwest Flyways podcast. Uh, We have a very special guest in house tonight. Joey's here. He's rocking the turtle tat. He's feeling good. Joey does have a thigh tattoo. It is a turtle. Um, it's very nice. And when he wears the short shorts, it's like a proud, you know, it's a proud thing. Yeah, yeah. dude. Guys, we're going to do this. You're going to show me that right before we get the podcast. Get me all hot and bothered. I know, dude. We're going to get those loins frothy. Uh, I'm and, uh, and who is hot and bothered <laughs> here on the podcast is Ben Bredingen. Ben, thank you for joining us. Ben works for Onyx Hunt, which is the only option for... Mapping. It's not better. Well, they so you you're in the hospital, and in order to leave the hospital, they got to show you a few videos, right? Mm. Okay. Well, at least they, they didn't do that for me. But. Well, so one of them was like CPR. It's like okay, this is great, and then one of them was a video about why, like, don't shake your baby. And mm. I was like, who the hell would shake their baby? Like, come on. And then now you understand. Now like two weeks, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> like I am utilizing some of the things I've learned in this video. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. That the first thing they asked us, they're like, "Okay, you ready for checkout?" Yep. Have you or your wife had any thoughts of killing yourself or the baby? I was like, "What the fuck? Are you serious? No. You're insane!" And then all of a sudden, week day four at home, I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> can I retract my answer? <laughs> can I switch my answer? Is that too late? Just too sleep deprived." Fuck, <laughs> Ben. You went to college in North Dakota, and I know, okay, when I search you up and listen to some of the podcasts, it's a lot of, like, Upland stuff, mm-hmm. but from what I hear through the grapevine, you're you really passionate about the waterfall thing. Yeah, man, I love it. I, I lived in North Dakota during, shit, I mean, it was some absolutely fantastic years. It was, like, 08 through 12, and so just absolute banger years, and I had been going to North Dakota since I was you know, just a kid. So, yeah, but then I'd go up there and kind of go to class and hunt for, you know, we'd probably put in 60, 70 days a year up there. So, Oh yeah. It was, you're getting into it. It was awesome. And then you just get a pulse, right? It's just like living in an area and being able to hunt it. So I go up there now and it's like, why the hell are we not just hammering birds every day? It's like, well, you're not up there every day. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah, it was, uh, I, I love shooting Love shooting the winged bird. Are you a field guy or you'd rather hunt water? Field. Really? Yep. Oh, why? So you're dumb. I am dumb. <laughs> Super why, dumb. Why, why field? Uh, probably because, like, I mean, I grew up hunting water, grew up hunting marshes, and it was always like, at that time, it wasn't, I mean, it, I'd say field hunting wasn't 
it definitely wasn't as popular as it is now, right? Yeah. So you show up to a field with, you know, 15 dozen full body honkers or whatever. And there weren't too many guys that were running do, those numbers. running that size spread at the time. Yeah. So, and not many birds were seeing that spread right. through that part of North Dakota. So it was just like they were eating out of your hand. Yeah. And it was, I mean, we had some pretty awesome hunts and then we would hunt around some, you know, around like the Fargo Moorhead area. And there was just a huge late season population that would live around there. And we just had some great fields tied up. So, uh, I mean, it was just it was made just for some perfect. awesome hunts. So that's, I don't know. It's, well, I take that back. So I was going to say the first, my first favorite would be watching, you know, mallards and honkers and corn, but I would take a flooded field over oh, those yeah. two any day of the week. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's sour mash, dude. They just dicks out the entire time. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it's way harder to hide in that type of a scenario? Or they just don't give a they fuck don't, about they you. They don't care. Yeah. Like I've like you could sit you could sit with your blind doors open half the time. Like I remember this one hunt where it was like any bird you saw in the sky, didn't matter how far away it was, you'd have your binoculars out. It's like, yep, he's coming here. And you could sit with your blind doors open and we had moved to this hole and we all we had was one mojo and that's enough. Like three, actually. three floaters <laughs> mm-hmm. and every single bird. And we would, we sat there with their blind doors open and they were just backpedaling like, I don't know, five yards away. Oh my God. They just wanted it in there so bad. Oh yeah. But so, if, I mean, it's hard to beat that. It'll hook you. Yeah. That'll get you. Oh, yeah, for sure. That'll fuck you up for life. Oh yeah. For sure. You're ruined. That's like oh, yeah. when I moved back here from North Dakota before I moved down South. It hurt. Oh, I was like, shit, like, why do people do this around here? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, it was a great morning. Shot three wood ducks and I saw a mallard. <laughs> I saw a mallard. Yeah. But that's no. like actually. That's real. <laughs> it's yeah, actually real most of the time. Don't come to Minnesota, guys. So what really hurt me, though, is after I moved down south and people hate on Woody's down there. Oh, yeah. Oh, big time, dude. Yeah. It's like. It's wild. like, oh, you, you sh- like, I'd go out and I'd shot, you know, go shoot like a limit of wood ducks and it's like oh that was a fun morning they're like <laughs> you shot wood ducks mm-hmm. like, oh, i'm gonna stick my nose up at you oh yeah what does Cade call that you're a top water yeah top water top water so you know as as we're i guess we're not old by any means but as you gotten older like has some of the shine worn off at all like are you still as pumped about it when you were this age compared to when you were 21, 18, 20, 21 years old. Yeah. I didn't start hunting until I was 20. Okay. So I've been well, hunting, yeah, 10 years. So and, in 10 years. But yeah, I mean, no, it's just different. You know, I think now I know what I really enjoy out of it, which is different from what Joey enjoys out of it for sure. But <laughs> Yeah, I'm interested. And like, that's okay. What does it for you now? I mean, for Why me. do you do it? Yeah, for me, it's just about the situation. You know, it's if the experience is going to be great, I'm just as pumped up about it. I'm not as pumped up about just let's just go as much as possible mm-hmm. just to shoot anything that we possibly can. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, for me, if we go out and it's like a spot I really want to hunt and one bird does it just perfect and I'm yeah. with the guys that I really want to be out there with, that would be a better hunt to me than, you know, just chasing some X field and, you know, shooting 10 and none, none of it's like beautiful. It's just kind of like whatever. Yeah. They're kind of half doing it or yeah. whatever. 
Yeah, or they just don't want to land, and then you're shooting them at 40 yards yeah. or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. to me, yeah. I don't know, man, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Joey? Cal I mean, I know you love that, sense. too, but... Cal's more of a romantic. I yeah, am 100% you know? way should, more of a romantic. You should try upland bird hunting. You'd fit right in. Dude, <laughs> dude, he is an upland don't bird start. hunter of waterfowl. Oh, <laughs> my God. How have I never put those two I together? don't know, man. How Holy come you don't have shit. a handlebar <laughs> mustache and some wax? He's the next Ryan Bassam, dude. We could, we could be... He's the next physical Ryan Bassam. We could go sit and smoke cigars and wax poetically about our... Here's the thing, though. Like, n- like that doesn't sound bad. I'm not kidding because I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> no, I'm definitely romantic. Oh. You know, I don't know. When I'm like duck hunting, I'm like telling a story of my hunt in my own head. Uh-huh. You know, the water was beautiful. And like, Joey, Joey, go ahead and tell him what you, how you feel now. Dude, I need to crush him. I need to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I have no problem. Like, if I, let's just say like Ira, Ira uh, McCauley. Yep called me and he's like hey man don't know if we're gonna shoot any birds tomorrow but you should come on out i'll be like fuck yeah i'm going out you know because i'm gonna pick his brain the whole time and we're just gonna bullshit it's gonna be a good time i hear him break down a group of mallards we end up shooting one of them so what not a big deal to me yeah he's telling the story while he's there and i reminisce about it like a day or two later yeah you know but um what was the original question has it lost some of us yeah yeah it has it's uh I've seen it all and done it all is what it's felt like mm-hmm. right now. And so now I'm just picking and choosing. Like I've I've killed a lot of birds for sure. Yeah. I've all been right. doing this all since right, I was a kid. God. I was been I've been doing no. this since yeah. I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And I've done I've gone through all the stages of like, holy shit, this is so cool. Let's kill as many as we can. Mm-hmm. Is it legal? I don't know. Let's chance it. I don't care. You like, know, I just let's chance kill. it. You know? And then you get to, oh, okay. It's really cool when you're hunting with someone who's really good at this shit. Yeah. I want to be that good too. So then you get better on a call and then you, all you care about is the birds and how they work. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, one did it just perfectly dick out feet touching the water. And you just, as soon as his toenail touches the water, you just smack him, And it's just like barely a splash because you yeah. hit him right at that perfect time. Mm-hmm. Then there's that. Then there's, Okay, I've had so much fun doing this. I want to get my friends who have never done this before to yep. do this with me. I want to like translate the rest of like my passion to everyone else around me. Yep. And that's where I've been at for quite a while, but okay. still, man, <clears throat> I really don't need to shoot anymore. Yeah. Like I really like calling them in and making them do what they don't want to do and then getting new people out. There was like a 6-year span where I bet you I brought over 40 people. New yeah, every time we hunted, Joey that's had awesome. somebody. There new. was someone new. That's yeah. sweet. You know? And pe- the thing, I that's think the thing, the thing he's good hard. at is he like convinces people who don't want to hunt. <laughs> you know, they're like, I don't really, I'm not. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. You have to come wow. do this. Dude, I've got an extra pair of waders. They only leak oh, like, yeah. a gallon of every well, two I don't, hours. I don't have any camo. That's all right, man. I have a tons of camo. I don't have a shotgun. I have got a shotgun. <laughs> You are going to be my fuck you money target ambassador. You're going to sit out and pick off people at target car side to go or whatever it's called. Oh hey, dude, God. we're doing ammo now. <laughs> dude. Um. All right. So, Ben, tell us a crazy hunting story. You've been around. You've seen some fun stuff. You're a little bit of a slut, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've been around. Yeah. yeah. He told us what he did in Mississippi. Oh, yeah. We know. Yeah. Tell us a crazy hunting story. Oh, I want got, that weird shit, dude. Oh, gosh. Well, let me show you my toes here. Your toes? 
Well, He's got an OnlyFans account, you said you're into dude. weird stuff. Like, you, you got an OnlyFans for your toes. Yeah, big money. Big money, big dude. Money. Yeah, I mean, they, big money. They, People you, are paying for this you stuff. You think day jobs? <laughs> I just do this Waste. for fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is just a good time. <laughs> good excuse to travel. Oh, man. Like, there's, it's kind of been all over the board. Um, what? Let's try to think. Oh, well, no, I don't know. Let's see this one. We'll try this one on for size. If you all don't right. like it, we'll go to plan B no, here. We'll like it. Um. So actually, it was that hunt that we just—I don't know if we talked about it—but where every single duck we saw in the sky came to that pond. Yeah. So it was—it was we had drove driven two trucks there, and my buddy, who is just—he's still my best friend today. He's just a dipshit, just the funniest motherfucker ever. <laughs> just a dipshit. And uh, so we got there, and we were gonna go, you know, shoot some birds, go hang out in the field, drink some beer, and then sleep out there and go hunt. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so we, we get done. It was an epic hunt, have a few beers. We're like, all right, well, let, let's, uh, we still had time. We were going to go scout a little bit. And like, oh, he's doing this deal where he's fumbling in his pockets. Checking um, every pocket. Yeah. Looking for the keys. Oh boy. And it's like, ah, oh, dude, I don't have my keys. It's like, all right, <laughs> we had two trucks. It's fine. Like, he's like, you just go stay here. We're going to go scout. Like in the cattails? I don't know where they were. Never found No, them. no, like oh. he stayed in the cattails. No, no, he or? went, walk, we walked back to the truck because okay. we were done shooting. Yeah. And so he's hanging out the truck drinking beer. And, <coughs> and so we start scouting and like we get, I think we were like an hour away from there. And and then we we're like, well, we should probably eat some dinner. And <laughs> met some girls at the bar. Okay. Oh, no. Just some small town. Like, sure. Put in. And then we like, ended up just tying one on <laughs> we were just like shit faced yeah and all of a sudden like before you know it it's like one in the morning and this town didn't have great cell service at the time and the bar Perfect. and then we, we get out of the bar and all of a sudden didn't 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 and like one o'clock in the morning all of a sudden he's like you get the string of calls and text messages like dude i'm still out in the field <laughs> so he was still waiting Fuck. behind his truck Oh my god! And it's and it's like at this point we can't do anything. Yeah, like because we're shit faced. Yeah, and so it's like I don't know, dude. Like we were probably three hours from Fargo. Oh, from home. So it's like I don't know, dude. You're just gonna have to sleep in your truck. And but he didn't have the keys. No, no. It's was like it locked? Bed of his truck. <laughs> oh, truck was locked. Fuck. Yeah. Dude, you are such an asshole. What time of year is this? Oh, is it probably in September? No, it was October. So yeah, it was getting October. a little chilly at Why, night, why did bad. you guys leave him here? Leave him there Dude, in the they, first place? Why didn't you just take him we with gonna, you? Because we were going to go. We thought we were just going to scout around the area. Like, we had a number of, like, like there were a lot of ducks using this one roost. So we thought we were going to. And they just wanted to sit and. He just wanted to sit and, like, I'll just sit and drink beer and kind of load everything up in my truck and. Look for the keys. Yeah. And. He did not find. Did not find the keys. So <laughs> great success. So he is not king of castle. <laughs> <laughs> he did not have a chair for sure that night. <laughs> so I did not have a chair. So the thing is, though, what ended up happening? Did he end up finding keys? Did someone have to bring him a spare key? Like no, what we had to, we ended up going and picking him up the next morning, and then going hunting. Bro, I wouldn't have hung out with you guys again. I would have been so bummed. Well, I mean, shit. Yeah, but we, they we were like canned. What are they going to do? Yeah. And it's I mean, like, they went into the bar to get dinner. Then they have no cell service. Then they're drunk. 
Then they come out. We were like an hour away. Yeah, they probably thought he was just chilling somewhere. He's fine. Well, we just forgot him. We met these girls, and we were all like, hell yeah. Like, this is great. Froth loins. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dude. So then they probably left at like 10 o'clock, and we were already like, oh, shit. All Too right. far gone. Yeah. So this guy never found the keys? Nope, never found him. Had to go back. We, we hunted the next day, picked him up. We picked him up, went hunting. Yeah. That would have been a really dick That would have been a real dick move. Pick him up. Hey, dude, we found the six spot, but it's too far to come get yeah. you. Yeah. So we picked him up, hunted, drove back to Fargo, and then we came back out the next night to scout, oh or that same God. night to scout. So he, he grabbed his spare set and, yep, that was That's a so crazy. Was his truck in a field? Yeah, it was just parked in, in a farmer's parked field. in like some wheat field in VFE, North Dakota. Did he like call the farmer and he's like, hey, my truck's staying there? Or he just left it no, and came back for it. it. Yeah. God. Can you imagine being the farmer next day, though? No. I'm hey, sure dude, he probably somebody's never saw trucks it. in my fucking field, <laughs> and nobody's here. Yeah, dude, I would have been so angry with you. Hello, hello, hello. Bienvenidos, bienvenidos. And then also across from the table, we have a strong stench coming yeah. from our friend Very. Gavin Coles. <laughs> Say hello. Hi, guys. What up, dude? <laughs> um, no, he's just that friend that... Um, is a cocky little piece of shit. And then also, uh, when he calls you for a good hunt, you know it's going to be a good hunt. So Yeah, there's no exaggeration. I generally don't Which say I'll it's going to be a really, good one unless yeah. I know. Because I get very uncomfortable by ever telling someone, hey, it's going to be a barn burner tomorrow. And then we don't shoot what I thought we were going to. Then I get really uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm really, I'm very... Big under-promise, over-deliver kind of guy. Yeah. Like... Like the meadow. I always tell everyone, yeah, we'll do okay tomorrow. And Joey's like, dude, it's the meadow. We're going to smash. I'm like, yeah, we'll do pretty good. And then we smash. But like, yeah, I'm not yeah, about yeah, to yeah. tell you yeah. that we're going to smash if I don't know oh, for yeah. sure. And if you guys haven't seen that video on YouTube of the meadow, it's a it's a pretty good one. That was a fun day. The only thing I wish is that we had it like the day before. like Because the day before was like more in your face. We finished more in tight mm-hmm. than we did the day the day you guys came. And then, like, the year before, we really messed them up those three days in a row. It's like it just, Connor's always gone when that happens. And it's like, God damn it. I know. Yeah. yeah. I love a good mixed bag. Like, For a good sure. mixed bag is way cooler to me. No, I, shoot, I'll shoot anything that flies. You've seen me kill how many mergansers? More than I care about, man. I've also watched you <laughs> so beat many. more hens over the spread when we're trying to do an all-green day than I want to admit. You and Riley both love to beat on the bitches. Oh, well, yeah. Riley loves to beat on the bitches. Dude, bro. literally. So me, Cal, and Riley are hunting one day, and we have 11 out of our 12 mallards green heads. And Riley goes, hey, there's a hen just falling from the heavens. And Cal and I are both dinging around on our phones, and I look up and I go, please don't, bam! And he just pastes this hen at like five <laughs> Bro, yards and I'm, I'm like buddy we have been decoying flocks yeah. of four every 20 minutes the traffic hunting this field literally all morning yeah. and we've been picking out ones and two drakes a time and just one guy shoots a flock we could have waited five more minutes on the dot and shot a drake and been done instead riley decides that this hen deserves no remorse yeah the best part was <laughs> though that actually though. pissed me off is he was like we literally watched groups of four come through that area like the last 10 minutes constantly. Mm. And, and he acknowledges as this bird comes in, hey, it's a hen. That's what he says. Yep. Hey, 
That's a hen. That's what he says. And he <laughs> says, it's it's cupped. It's falling from the sky. And it's I go, where? Falling and he from goes, the look sky. up. And I literally look vertical. And Gavin goes, And she dropped sh- vertical from like 60 yards. And I go, don't. Boom. I'm like, yeah. you motherfucker. You shot her at like five yards. I was so sad. I just it wanted so I wanted 12 bogus, green bro. heads one day. Dude. It was like, this was three years ago. And it was the first good mallard hunt we had had. We had 11 green heads. It would have been the perfect photo. Instead, Riley ruins it. This what was the. the uh, we've got a blasted hen and eleven drakes. Do you remember that's, the day that you tripled on up. geese out of the metal field with me? Is you, me, and Ginger cow left? Uh, oh, well, well, to be honest, I've tripled a lot on geese, so oh, you'll have to be more specific. This was what? the day we trafficked. <laughs> this, this we traffic hunted mallards on on the metal field up on the hill. Okay, and they were going. They were going south of us from School Lake. Do you remember this? It was only you and I in the field. Everyone else bailed. Oh, and yeah, you and yeah, I yeah. sat all day. Yeah. This was the day before that. Okay. When it was just me, Cal, and Riley in the exact same spot, and we mangled. Okay. And then Riley ruins it. I was so upset. I'll be honest, though. Actually, that's the best limit. One hen? I mean, that's so perfect. No. Man. Just like, what are we dumbasses doing? You know, we always shoot one hen. Not we. There's not a we in that. No, there is a we in that. <laughs> I have never done because such a you thing. associate with me and Riley. There is definitely a we in that. <laughs> you know, speaking of hen killers, um, we had we had one good flock one day come in. It was when Josh Bodkin was in town last November, and we were on a nice local lake. And uh, there's a huge flock. Gavin, I mean seventy, like like a shocking amount of mallards committed to our spread on no, big water. But here's the thing: barked at him. And Cal's like, dude, they're not going to come in. And I'm like, you watch, motherfucker. You know, I'm trying to show off to Josh because he's yeah. never duck hunted in his life. That was his first duck hunt ever. And a typical and Joey just, moment, he's got to show off his beautiful calling. So I'm just yelling at these ducks, and they, like, kind of make a wide swath way yeah. to the left. And they, they like disappear. slowly turn, though. They disappear behind these trees, and then we see them again. They're kind of tracking backwards. They're obviously migrating. And then out of fucking nowhere, these <laughs> things just uh, dump at 20 yards at like 20 mile an hour wind we were driving matt robertson nah bro they hold on you're kind of screwing it up they came in at like 50 or 60 yards because we watched them a little because there was so much wind they just hung in the air at like 45 50 yards when they kept coming yeah but since slowly 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 they just didn't stop (laughs) like they didn't stop and joey looks at me and it was if you could see me right now he looks at me goes He does like the eyes as big as they could ever get and he raises his eyebrows and he goes like points his head and his nose up at him like hey hey don't worry that nose is big enough to point in just about any direction and then he kind of like giggled and he tucks his head back down and we both blew our calls and they just kept coming kept coming kept coming and it was crazy now Gavin when I say I didn't see a single hen in this flock I mean it. And I was like searching because we were watching them for a while come in, right? They're mm-hmm. battling the wind. And I'm like, holy shit, we are going to rain out so much green right now. Now, Josh, <laughs> not very experienced duck hunter. Literally zero experienced duck hunting. Yeah, zero. Just pulled up his gun even before it got to his shoulder and rang out three shots. He goes, I didn't shoot a fucking thing. He's like, that was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I shot one duck. Cal shot one duck. Guess what Cal shot? Hen. A hen. <laughs> A fucking hen. And I literally didn't see a single hen in this flock of seven. How many drakes did you shoot? One. How did you go one for three? Oh, because it was a very windy day. Oh. So they just caught windy. that wind. Now, I want to be really honest, too. What happened was I shot at a drake, <laughs> missed him, and the wind carried him. Gavin, 
it carried him like a Lamborghini. <laughs> he was fucking gone. And I panicked. Seriously. I panicked and went straight into the next duck that was in line. Dude, there's no Just worse moment than in a heavy wind day when you miss the first shot and then you panic shoot the next two rounds. Oh, yeah. And you just pick the nearest thing. You're just like, yeah. Thump, thump, thump. And oh, you I'm just done. shoot, Whoops. and you just shot it, dude. Ahead. It sucked because we really didn't shoot a whole lot of ducks that day. I think we shot a bluebell, another two pack of mallards. We shot like nine ducks. Um, oh no, we did shoot nine ducks. Yeah, we a shot day, like nine we? ducks, but it it's was yeah, it was, like local lake hunt. it was like a Joey local It was like a two two mallards. <laughs> you know, like another merganser. You know, it's just like sweet, dude. Did you like that? That was uh, nice, that, was, that was cute of you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember your flooded timber hunt? Dude, we we did well that day. We did for having fucking Goliath one and two trying to hide behind oak trees that are not (laughs) built for them. (laughs) No, but let let me finish off that story. So you take that first shot, and when you call the shot, they're already banking into the wind. Yeah. You're fucked. And it was just terrible, but it made Josh's day. Yeah. That's what matters. Like, he's never seen that many ducks in one place, period, much (laughs) less had a chance to shoot at him, you know? Yeah. And to see them come in from so far away. And they were definite migrators. You know? That was the dope part. Okay, David Goose. It was cool. They actually were, though. They're pushing. I mean... South wind, but they're pushing south. (laughs) (laughs) There's no better phone call. I have have never... Met a more optimistic goose hunter God than David damn. Goose. Give that kid credit. I love him, and he makes my day. He's a great friend, and I love hunting with him. <laughs> but there's no phone call I enjoy more than like a mid-September day. He goes, bro, have you been outside at all? Dude, they're really pushing today in this south wind. And I'm like, did you just hear what the fuck you said to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and he full-heartedly has seen migrators all day. So, Gavin, one thing that we started doing on the podcast here, and I'm actually a really big fan of it. Oh, no, dude. I know. So, there's a lot of shit in the hunting, don't, waterfowl hunting don't world. Don't do this to me. I know you're going with this. I don't think you do. There's All a lot right, of stuff in this waterfowl industry that I feel like can be improved on significantly. And what I've said in recent episodes was heated, thin gloves. Whether it's battery-powered, whatever, it's waterproof, heated, and thin, so you can blow your calls, you can shoot your gun, it's not encumbering. And then another one on a TikTok comment was heated layout blinds. Mm. And actually, they said heated and cooled Heated and cooled layout blinds. But I would take What, do I want to fucking run an AC unit in there? Right. We're getting soft as a a culture. So my my question to you is... what my, do old, you, my old man used oh, to sorry. duck hunt in like. I'm sorry, are you meat? interrupting Joey? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh, sorry, oops. Joey. Sorry, Joey. Go oops. Ahead, my bad, dude. Oops. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that, bro. <laughs> Why don't you go to the third floor? <laughs> <laughs> my bad, dude. dude. The stairs are over there, man. Um, no. What, what do you think is the what is the product for you that you think needs to be improved on? Whether it's waders, whether it's shotguns, whatever. What do you think needs to be improved on? I would like some way to have heated and cooled boots. If we could get, because my feet sweat really bad. So like I have to set up in the winter in like boat shoes mm-hmm. or my Crocs in order not to sweat. Right. And then my feet and ankles are cold all morning. And then I put my boots on and it takes me an hour to warm up. And then some mornings I warm up and I'm fine. Other mornings I don't warm up and I'm miserable all morning. Mm. So something to vent my boots better so my feet can get some air would be awesome. So I like something like that. I like the heated and cooled layout blind thing, but I feel like 
we can be all a little tougher than that. That seems real soft. I think the question is, are you soft or would you just rather have an AC unit? <laughs> <laughs> like, like would if it was an option <laughs> like you know what i'm saying it, it, hold, <laughs> like i'm not saying that you couldn't yeah but like hold on what, what, is, what is something that everybody bitches about and joey is the prime use of this this moment everything electronic or that gets over complicated we fucking break mm-hmm. as waterfall guys we're tough on shit every guide is like oh the sid kebab zippers suck dick and they just ruined it and oh my robos don't work because i left them in this for whatever i they didn't just didn't work today because the wires came loose or my shotgun's having trouble like all of us are really hard on gear who are you channeling when you do that voice? what was that voice i don't know i was just rolling with it who are you thinking of when you do that voice? i'm not gonna talk about it (laughs) Um, (laughs) but like all of us are just really hard on gear to one extent or the other, whether you're a guide or a guy that does it as a hobby or, or a guy that's a little bit more than a hobby, but not a full-time guide. We're all tough on gear and we all wreck shit, but like, do we really need to overcomplicate it? Like, I, I feel like when you start adding AC units, they've already got heated pads for your layout. Just put one of those in there. Matt has one. He loves it. <clears throat> um, but like, once you start adding overcomplications, I think you had issues and chances to break. You got that AC unit, and something goes wrong with the wiring, and now you're out eighty bucks or whatever. You know, and it lasts two hunts. The other thing is, like, how do you make that work? Is there a plug-in attachment that we hook up to it? Like DC battery. Well, I could see the battery part, but I'm saying, do you disconnect it every time? Then have to keep that separate in like a box and take I care get, of I it. Get what you're saying, Let's man. be you're, honest, you're Joey. You're gonna you're... ruin it on hunt one, if not hunt two, if you're lucky, because you just wreck anything you touch. True. Um, cows last all season. Mine lasts until about the third hunt, and then I get lazy and I just like, oh, I'll just tuck it in the blind, plugged in, it'll be fine. And then I sit on it and I wreck it or something stupid, you know? So like, I don't like things overcomplicated. I like just simple bare bones shit. So, so other than boots, you know, because that was a common one too. Yeah, boots is a common one. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a big Lucky Duck supporter, and I'm all about it, but. I am like 0 for 4 in two years of something breaking in them. And I don't really think, and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong. You both hunt with me enough to know. Out of the group and most of the people we all know in common, I treat my gear quite well compared to most. Is that a fair statement? I'd say so. I take good care of my gear. I take good care of my stuff just because I I spend a lot of money on this shit. So I want it to last me. But somehow my fucking, my, my, before I switched to Lucky Duck, my mojos were always fucking broken or something wasn't working. My Lucky Ducks have been having issues the last couple of years, whether it's the batteries are going bad or the wires break or the fuse is bad. Switches don't work. My remote dies. Any number of things. I would like to see some revisions in some of the sturdiness of that electronics in that. That would, would be awesome to me. So, so <laughs> think of yourself from a company standpoint. And here's where my mind always goes, right? Now, you know that people in this industry are hard on their shit. Yep. Right? And you want people to keep buying your shit. Yep. So you make it just good enough to where it doesn't break immediately, but if you're not perfect with it, it's going to break. So if you think about it from a company standpoint, you give them a cost-effective thing. Yeah, so that's one train of thought that I can right. see and agree that's, with. But that's here's, what my, I here's always... my quote-unquote for the other side. So I made the switch to Lucky Duck. Mm-hmm. So I bought two Robos. I now have six. I have a bag. I have two chairs. I have three predator calls. I have a predator decoy. If you make a good product, I will invest more in other areas into your company. For sure. I bought a Rigum Wright layout blind as a night, as a, not even as a 16 year old kid. 
I now have six blinds, five or six blind bags, both backpacks, hats, gloves, t-shirts, anything you come out new, I'm in, I'll buy it. If you make a reputable, good product, I will continue to buy more stuff or find an excuse to buy shit I don't need, which as Cal likes to point out, I'm a gear guy, quote unquote, which I think is bullshit. I'm not. I think a you're a gear guy. You're a hard no, gear I'm guy. I'm not a gear guy. Yes, you are. I you just are. buy the bare bones shit that you no, need to get the job. You buy done. the newest shit that comes out all the fucking time. That is Name a gear guy. one thing that I have bought that's brand new that just came out. Bro, what? You bought that. You bought the 3.0 layout from Rig'em Right the second it came out. No, the that's Lucky not Duck true. Duck. You bought the Lucky Duck backpack the minute it came out. That's true. I can You've that bought every new Sitka piece. That's not true. I don't have the turkey. You're the yet. guy that like on a Saturday. <laughs> yet he says yet. You came home, and on a Saturday you just you know bought a new gun. That does happen to me just for no reason. <laughs> I think I killed Joey. I have always been the guy. Whether it's any hobby or any work, I like to have. Out. I'm either all or nothing, but also I like to have the best gear for it or item for it that I can afford. If I'm going to woodwork, I'm spending five grand on tools. If I'm going to run cross country, I'm going to buy the best shoes I can buy. That's how I've always been. I'm all or nothing, and I do my research. Dude, on what about I do that buy. time you ran that marathon and them shoes that you fucking got at the Payless? Uh, I was going <laughs> through a really, died. I was going through a really poor time in my life, man. <laughs> Why don't you give us a really Bro. good story of how you piss blood at the marathon? Yeah. I don't know if that needs to be in this right now. That's not hunting related, man. Dude, I don't need to be able to talk about my kidney bro, shutting remember down. remember when you pretended you were a marathon runner and ran a whole marathon? <laughs> the day before. Hold on. The, hold on. Both of you pump your fucking brakes. Dude, dude you decided I, hold the on, day no, before. No, 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 run no, a no, fucking no, marathon. No, no, just guys. No, just no, guys. No, no, Trained once. I, no. I ran 18 and a half miles after your goddamn wedding, hung over in 85 degree heat. If That's I can do that, saying. I could run the marathon. Okay. I also signed up for the marathon in December. We ran it in like... July or June, I forget when. <laughs> yeah. But I will admit, I only did like nine total training runs in my prep time, and I completely regret all of that because I blew up my hips, my feet were sore for weeks, my knees were hurt, um, and my kidneys started to fail because I didn't drink enough water. Could Arms you weak, feel your organs? <laughs> I could feel... Okay, so here's the deal. I could feel like this weird pain on my sides... That I have never... F- fuck both of you. Mom's spaghetti. Yeah. He's nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. Okay, right, my bad, my bad. 50% pain and 100% risk. <laughs> totally remember song. the name. It's a totally different song. <laughs> I know, but that's how he's talking. <laughs> both of you can get fucked. I dropped the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh my god <laughs> um back to the fucking point please yeah my bad dude so you were you, at the end dude could you feel your organs shutting down so okay they tell you alternate water to powerade i thought that was bullshit so i didn't do it i just drank powerade sure so for the first 20 miles i drank only powerade no water and i only had a banana to eat which was a bad idea for nutrition wise nailed it and then i hit like the first row houses into Duluth and they offer you shots of fireball and hams, warm beer. I had two hams, warm beers that were like four ounce glasses and a shot of fireball. 
because I was already cramping so bad that it didn't matter that that was going to do anything. Yeah, you're already dying. Why not enjoy it? Um, Yeah, right. But so like... Have a drink while you're at it. There's two miles. So when you hit the first set of houses where I got the booze, it's two miles to the next like bathroom station. And something on my side started feeling funny. And I didn't really know what was going on, but I knew something wasn't quite right. You know, like that uh-huh. tingly feeling, you're like, mm, something don't feel right. And I just figured. Nah, my kidneys have never started feeling this. I don't know what that feels like. but So I go into the bathroom and I just piss straight blood. And I'm like, Jesus. oh no. And I'm right by a med tent. So like I, I get out and like, I'm probably looked pretty panicked because not often have I peed blood. And I, I walk over to the, like the med lady who there one lady would stand out in the center of the running area and check on people if you had questions. So I w- kind of walked slash limped over. I was like, "Hey, I'm pissing blood. Like, is that all right?" And she goes, <laughs> "So casual." <laughs> you, hey, you hope this isn't uh, TMI. You, you know, but you she need. Says, she responds, says, "You need to drink water. Your kidneys are shutting down from lack of." water in your system. I was like, Oh, okay, sweet. Okay. <laughs> so I grabbed a water. I drank that. And then I continued my run slash walk slash gimp the next, uh, Bro, whatever you, it was 3.2 miles. You said walk slash limped over to the medic. <laughs> yeah, I did. Dude, my left hip flexor was so tight. You could visibly look at it and see it had like a, a golf ball size knot. So I, there's a video of me like limping my left leg along as I ran the last four miles. It sucked balls. Oh my God. <laughs> but either way, I finished that cocksucker and got my medal, and that's what matters. Dude, incredible. Oh, I Mental love toughness. I love that story, dude. Me too, man. Yeah, I'm glad that now America gets to listen to that. America. Some of Australia and Canada. We do have that kind of reach, actually. <laughs> Yay. Just what I need. People to see my fucking pissing blood story. Well, you hear about that crazy man? He's just all pissing blood and shit. He's all like, oh I will, my God. I will say I'm, this. I'm limping so, over to the medic tent then. So my th- two buddies and I ran this together as kind of like a group. As a group of five friends from high school, we all do a challenge every year together. Yeah. Our one bro- buddy, Hunter, couldn't run it. So he was just there to support and watch. Um, he carried me to the final med tent, which is like the big one with like a couple of actual doctors and shit at the finish line. He carried me there because my feet were hurting so bad. Um, but uh, when I walked in, the the doc, who was a younger lady, she's probably early 30s, bless her heart. She looks at me, she goes, so what's wrong, sir? I'm like, well, my kidneys are shutting down because I'm pissing blood and I'm pretty sure I blew up my hip flexors. And she goes, oh, small problems. And I was like, small problems? She goes, yeah, don't worry. It could be way worse. Jeez. Like what? I don't know. But she stuck a Theragun in my hip hip, hip flexor, which made me want to kill myself. Yeah. And then made me drink a bunch of water and have a banana. And then sent me on my way. So, And then I drove home to to wish the fifth friend in the group off to uh, Afghanistan. So... Mm -hmm. That was a horrible idea after running a marathon, super dehydrated, to get in a car and drive home yeah, from Duluth, by the way. Car for two hours. I had to be uh, picked out of the car. I opened the door, and I fell out, and my feet were stuck in the car. So my buddy had to pick me up and drag me out. Been like that way. after soccer. <laughs> That's If I wanted to watch someone struggle to score, I'd bring Tommy to the bar. It's funny to know. Damn. <laughs> wow. He had, that that he had that shit on deck. Yeah, he did. He did, dude. <laughs> fucking he premeditated hate. that. <laughs> that was insult, so dude. premeditated. That was so premeditated. Soccer's for fucking Sally's. I can't dude, play baseball he's been or football. Premeditating that joke. How long do you think it took him? Ah, uh, two months. 
No. Longer than that. Bro. You think so? No. I'm a well, pretty witty guy. If you well, you me. can't go off the. You can't judge him by his face. You know. <laughs> You're such a dick. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt at two months, but. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking a couple years, man. <laughs> been stewing on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say anything. Guys, we appreciate everything you guys do for us. Listening, liking, subscribing, all that stuff. Keep doing it. Share our videos. Share this podcast with your friends. And we will see you guys soon. Si me habla rosa me pongo rojo Si tengo miedo amarillo es mi color Si me andan buscando no quiero que me encuentren Transparente también soy Si me habla rosa me pongo rojo Si tengo miedo amarillo es mi color Si me andan buscando no quiero que me encuentren